Welcome to the Eye on Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. You know, I'm sitting in an uh, office in what will be the newest municipality in Anne Arundel County in a couple weeks. It is uh, going to be the village of Rebel Grove, not to be confused with Rebel Downs. That's over in Annapolis. Uh, but we are sitting here with Jules Smith, who is the manager, general manager, CEO of the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Did I get the title right? Yeah, I'm the general manager, and I'm also president of the company. You got it. You've got your hands full now. Well, it's a it's a small company. There are eight full time employees, and uh, then we get up to around 400 that are on our payroll, plus 215 or so performers that are as independent contractors. But it takes about 1,300 people in all to put on the show, but they're working for other people out here too. And that, so you say about 1,300 people and that's your employees, the folks that man the, the refreshments and the, the food stands and the actors and the performers and the vendors, that include the vendors too? The vendors and their, uh, their employees, yes. Wow, that's gigantic. Yeah, it, you know, even on a rain day, we sold a lot of food because yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people out here. No kidding, no kidding. Well, I'll tell you, you know, as far as I moved down here in '96, and as far as my life down in Maryland has been, has been the Renaissance Festival has always been here. And I remember my first year, so that was probably late '96. I missed it, so it was probably '97. I was at Fuddruckers at the at the mall when it was there on a Sunday night. Uh, had no clue that the Renaissance Festival existed here at this point because I was just brand new to the area. And all of a sudden, we were flooded with folks that were, were dressed for the Renaissance Festival. And I'm looking around going like, what, 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 what is this? And uh, found out what it was and was there the next year and have been a fan ever since. It's kind of a flash mob that shows up. I, I mean, you see it when you're driving around here, um, uh, People at gas stations in kilts and, and uh, or gowns uh, in any of the restaurants around here, if it's anywhere near the weekend, yeah, it can be uh, people, especially later in the evening because they've been here and then they want to get out and still have fun with their friends. Right. Well, how, how did the Renaissance Festival here, on? and for those that don't know, I mean, you want to go to, you can either go to MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com if you can spell Renaissance, which is always a tough word to spell for me. Um, and you do have a smaller website, RenFest, R-E-N-N-Fest.com, which goes to the same place. It's the same place, right. And there's two N's in that. Uh, that was <laughs> So in 1986, when finally some, the, the internet was just hold a, a, a college kid working for me, ran over to Anne Arundel Col Community College, got us registered, and he, he had heard everybody calling it RenFest, so he put in two N's and... I don't know why, but so we've had that since. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's a great domain. It's easy to remember. It's uh, it's amazing. But what's the history of this? I mean, you've been here. This is your forty sixth season, I think. I read on the website, and I mean, how did this all start? Well, this is our thirty seventh, thirty eighth year. We were eight years in Columbia, Maryland. So go back earlier than that. Uh, Renaissance fairs started in nineteen sixty three in California. 
Phyllis Patterson uh, was the originator. She had a small school with a summer program. And so they were trying to make money and have the kids do something for the summer. And so they did this Commedia dell'arte thing out of a wagon with some tents and whatnot and invited a few vendors. One of the vendors from there eventually made it to Minnesota in 1971. And that's where we got involved. And other people at other fairs around the country generally came out of Minnesota. That was the first really big explosion of a Renaissance fair. George Coulomb, who now owns the Texas Renaissance Festival, started that and he sold Minnesota. My father was a tiny shareholder because George needed money to open. Okay. And my father was a lawyer. And so he, George bought everybody out after that first year except my father because he was a lawyer so that he could clean up things. <laughs> and then uh, a number of years later when he sold the fair to a different group of people, he gave my father his $3,000 back, which was very generous of him. <laughs> and uh, so my father decided it was time to start a fair, and he started a fair with a guy who did the food at Minnesota. And uh, he just happened to be having a drink with Jim Rouse of the Rouse Company. Sure. In uh, Irvine, California, they were both on a new town board appointed by President Nixon. And earlier, in the early 70s, and but they were still on the board and they were having a drink and my father said, I'm thinking of starting a renaissance fair. And so Jim asked what that was. He explained, he said, well, I got property you can use until I need it. And then in 1984, um, a bulldozer came through before our last weekend and put down the center line of a road and I figured that was our notice. So, <laughs> so we looked for a property and found this in Crownsville. Well, that's great. Now, now this property here in Crownsville, I mean, do you own this property? No, no, it's still uh, agricultural. It's owned by a uh, family of farmers uh, okay. and other people. They, they no longer actively farm, but we still take crops off of it. We have uh, hay cutting right now going on. So we have a long-term lease. And the zoning is very specific. It's still agricultural property with a special exception to run a Renaissance festival for 19 days. It can't be used for anything else. We can't do other shows, no RV shows, no... Comic Con, no, nothing else out here. Oh wow! Okay, so Renaissance Festival. So if you decided to go to a different kind of festival, you'd probably have to go before the county council and have them change right. the work. Yeah, there, there's in the county um, zoning there is a classification for a Renaissance Festival, and it lists everything you need, the types of road you have to be on, the amount of acreage you have to have, depending on the size of the people, uh, the attendance, and whatnot. So. It's it's interesting. Interesting. Code. It's interesting because I always thought this would be a perfect place for, and time wise, it wouldn't work out because you end in October. But like the haunted, the haunted woods and the haunted village back, you know, with the with the whole property back in Revel Revel Grove. Well, we could run, you know, later in the evening, uh, especially in October, and do that on the weekends and continue. But uh, really. Uh, this is enough. Uh, <laughs> unless it was a separate event, then you know if if we could close this one, finish it off, and then open as something else and have a different time period. But our kids, uh, the, our employees, everybody's already working ten hours a day. Uh, true, true. Well, I'll tell you. You know, it's funny. I was when I was just sort of preparing to come over here. I was thinking, you know, that uh, the number of people that I know in town and whatnot. I, I'm like you. Renaissance Festival is kind of the uh, McDonald's of Anne Arundel County in that everybody I know has kids 
that have worked here at some point. And, and I had heard a, stat, a statistic at one point that 50% of today's workforce, and that was probably 20 years ago, at one point had worked with McDonald's. And, but I just know so many people that, and, and the, they love it. Uh, you know, my, my girlfriend's daughter is, uh, you know, graduated out of college now and she's like, Oh, I want to, I need to go. I, I got to figure a way to get back out there and work again because they just, they absolutely live for it. And it really sort of speaks to the organization and the, what, what you've built here. We get a lot of people returning. It's a really good job because it is, even though it's 19 days, nine weeks, it's, um, it's over before things get really busy with sports and school or with Christmas or anything. And so it's good found money for a lot of people, even though they work for it. It's like an extra uh, shot. A lot of our people are regularly employed elsewhere during the week. They're older, and they, but this is something they enjoy. And it's a, it can end up making the car payments for them for a year. It, it it really is, and and it's it's funny how it's gotten into. I say funny, but I mean it's it's amazing to me how it's gotten really into the psyche of a lot of people there. I mean it's uh, intrinsic to the county and the, the area. Okay, you've got Bocho, uh, which does overlap with you guys, but that's you know you've got Commissioning Week, you've got Renfest, and I mean these are the big big ones. I know my daughter is now in North Carolina and. She said, what are the dates that are in fest? I got to f- plan my flights up here to, to go because that's a that's our daddy daughter outing annual thing now. As she's an adult and it's uh, she likes it more now that she can drink. But it, <laughs> well, that's great to hear that it's still a family thing because that's a lot. Of, we draw more women than men. Uh, women plan where entertainment dollars are spent, and so they'll bring kids or they'll meet sisters or their mother or their their daughters, uh, their their friends, and they'll do shopping and whatnot out here. But um, it is kind of slightly woman driven by, mm-hmm. uh, for our attendance. Um, and yes, as as far as in the psyche, it's uh, you know one of the things I used to be. Uh, in, really involved in the Conference and Visitors Bureau downtown and uh, we started a program a long long time ago called Autumn Action in Annapolis campaign because there's so many neat things happening in this area that you can come and partake of and I don't consider anybody a threat to me because I operate enough days and most of them operate one or two weekends and so people can visit both sure and, there's and, no uh, reason not to right and this this time of year or the autumn time of year in Annapolis is the humidity's down sun's still shining beautiful outdoors and the, the scenery's terrific right right well tickets are on sale now right for this season the uh, ticket sales are starting august 1 okay um rentfest.com is where you want to go for that yes and um goes through october 23rd october 23rd this year which would be panda and labor day monday and Labor Day Monday, which is seniors free. So if seniors want to come out 62 and older, uh, they can take a look. <laughs> Missed it by that much. <laughs> did you ever get into the, I mean, were you ever a performer or did you, I mean, how did you get involved from your father? I mean, your father was the uh, guy who said, hey, I want to start a rent fest. And Jim Ross said, yeah, good idea. Come on. Uh, when our family, in addition to my father working on the fair in Minnesota, we sold bread at the Renaissance Fair there in Minnesota uh, to raise money for a scholarship program. And so we were dressed up as monks. Not very convincingly. I was a 14-year-old monk. and <laughs> but uh, Starting young. Um, yeah. 
So, uh, uh, well, it worked really good with the girls. I told them I was heading off, and this would be my last uh, weekend of freedom. So, but uh, so I was in Europe at school and uh, an exchange program that was part of the reason why we were selling the bread to raise money. Uh, for these scholarships and uh, my father called and said oh I got you a job this summer I said great what's it pay and he said well it doesn't pay <laughs> and so <laughs> you want everything don't you we started building it in our driveway in Minnesota and it came on four semi flatbed trucks delivered out here and put together in panels and whatnot and that was how we first got involved in it wow Okay, have you, now have you acted or performed yourself, or you, do you still? So when it was small, of course, you had to right. do you a do lot everything. of roles, yeah. And so when we were done setting up, uh, I was dressed up as a cardinal, and then I would partake also in the joust in a different costume. I didn't joust in armor. I didn't do combat jousting. I did games jousting, so slicing okay. fruit or throwing a spear or something right. like that. But they needed additional people to flesh out the troop. Because uh, we could only afford to bring in two horsemen. <laughs> so, okay. So uh, we threw in a couple extra people from our work crew, and that was a joust troop. Well, that's fantastic. That's um, that's amazing. Well, I know it's, it's funny, Andy, that you also do an awful lot with local community organizations, uh, the scouts. And, and I'm not quite sure how that works. You allow them to come in and staff food concessions uh, for a day so the program originally started 32 three years ago uh parking lot soda stands and beer stands and they staffed them we paid them for doing it uh whatever we would pay anybody else for doing it uh and then without the taxes being deducted because it's being made as a donation to their organization right so it's a lot more than that and in the beer program they can uh, also collect tips now we stopped doing the parking lot because as SUVs got more prevalent <laughs> you couldn't see these Boy Scouts out there <laughs> so, right. so, what was that bump <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, but we still do the soda and beer stands. You need 21 people in the soda stands and 17 in the beer stands. We have one employee in each stand sure. uh, with them to help them through. And uh, so uh, for a lot of the groups, it's just a one day uh, they sign up. So we have 28 groups involved in it. But uh, some groups, bigger Boy Scout troops, might take a whole weekend and staff soda and beer, the adults in beer and, and the kids in soda. And uh, so we pay them, and then they can keep tips and, and whatnot, and it works out. I know um, I have a group, the Knights of Columbus, out of Davidsonville that does it, and uh, it's their biggest fundraiser of the year. That's great. Well, I know, I, I remember uh, last year, I guess it was, we came on, uh, my daughter and I were here, it was on some, some god-awful hot day, uh, which they are, and yeah. uh, it, you could see the line, it was like, there was the soda line, which was like three, and then there was the beer line, which was like, to Minnesota and back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, well, I'll probably go to the beer. I'll go get a soda because I'm darn thirsty right now. So it was. So there's only six sodas, uh, you know, Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, right. <laughs> Mandu. <laughs> the beer and wine is almost unlimited because people want everything mixed. Right. It's an unusual thought. I can't imagine anybody going into a local pub and saying, well, take my Oktoberfest and put some meat in it or something. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. Right. You, you ask for a bee sting or a, yes. uh, and they're like, what? You know, it, no, my, and, and again, that's a, a critical, a critical drink we must have when we're here as, as adults. That's for sure. 
Um, you know, I did notice on your website too that, and and I think this may be something new. Uh, on under the media section, you had a bunch of uh, photographs, and it was like first place for most. Whatever. Do you have a contest that runs every year? Yes, we do. We've been doing that since almost our inception. And uh, there's cash prizes. It's, I, it's not uh, outrageous, but, uh, you know, and then tickets for anybody honorable mention or above gets tickets. So, yeah, we've been doing it for years and years, and we use a lot of those pictures for our publicity photos. What happens is if I hire somebody, to take publicity photos, they never make it past the glass blower and inside the front gate because they, <laughs> there's so much to see and they think they've got this great artistic shot of a banner fluttering or of up close of some girl enjoying something. Well, when people look at that in a newspaper, they don't understand what that is. You need a bigger picture with more background, more activity. and. Actually, our guests do some of the best pictures, and so we just pay them for their pictures, and they're in the contest, and they win it. That's wonderful. Um, and, and I guess that's you can just email the photos or post. You can do either. We have, uh, yep, you can submit them any way you want, and but uh, right now, digitally is the is, big. Is the way to go. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's printing, taking them to the photo mat and, and uh, sending them I out wish there. I could find a photo. <laughs> I'm, I'm old enough that that matters to me. Nobody that's listening to this understands what that, what that is, where you had to wait a week or two to get your pictures back and hope they came out well. But, uh, you know, one thing that I do appreciate about this, as opposed to any number of different uh, themed festivals, per se, uh, is that you keep the authenticity. You know, it doesn't morph into, uh, okay, we'll throw like one little Shakespeare play up there and we'll just have fried frozen crap to sell at the festival and everything. I mean, you are authentic. I mean, you know, when, you know, I don't know how authentic giant turkey legs were, you know, back in 1500, but, uh, you know, and that, that's something that you can count on year after year after year, as well as the way that you change it up year after year. I mean, you have a different storyline each year. So we're we're not living history, but we are based in the historical period and also the characters. A lot of the uh, court members, a lot of the street characters are actual people from that period. Obviously, we don't have scripts from them, so right. uh, we're doing uh, our own thing. And so, yes, uh, this is the third time we're going through all the wives of Henry VIII, all six of them. And we do one for a couple years, then we do the next one. And so it's not... Comic Con. It's not Beauty and the Beast. It's not Game of Thrones. Although people might come in costumes from that because where else are they going to go? Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, Legitimate. But, but we try and keep along the, the lines of what we've uh, defined it as and the time period we have. And so you might see some French cavaliers walking through. Well, they aren't our employees. They're just people attending and they want to come in costume. A lot of people are worried that I just answered some emails uh, yesterday. People are wondering, gee, I don't have a costume. That's fine. Most people don't have a costume. Right. It's for, it's for the public, but it's it's high tech, not or it's high touch, not high tech entertainment. You're uh, in the midst of it. The sounds, the smells, the textures. It's happening all around you. You can get pulled up onto a stage or participate with a street character in a little vignette. And uh, it, it really is interactive and, um, I think, immersive. Oh, it totally, it totally is. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to remember what year it was, but, I mean, there was 
I, I've never worn a costume. Uh, been tempted to go into the costume shop right in front of the gate occasionally, but uh, ended up opting not to. But I remember I got involved in something. Somebody had approached me, one of the, the cast members. That's a Disney term, I guess. But um, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, one of the actors had approached me and interacted. And we ended up, our group ended up spotting them or they spotted us like several other times throughout the day. And it was just this ongoing eight-hour gag yep. uh, between the two, which was, you know, the definition of immersion. And, I mean, it was amazing, A, that we remembered it as we're going down with the bee stings, but B, that, you know, the the actors uh, said, oh, that's, that's that group they were. And I'm sure that we were probably a little bit more fun than, you know, somebody may be. Sure. Um, and, and they play off of the ones that are entertaining, I guess. We used to have a character, Maud, who went around the village. She had a patchwork uh, dress and uh, missing some teeth and <laughs> really uh, odd hair and everything. And she would stop a guy and convince him to marry her at the four o'clock joust and tie this piece of yarn around his finger as a reminder. And then at four o'clock, the king would call out the person who's here for the marriage and 50 or 60 guys would come up and be on the bigger one of them would stick, right? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, it, you're right. It's, it can be an ongoing thing all day long. And, and uh, you're walking around 27 acres and you run into those people going the other way. And it, yep, at each uh, function, each court function, whatnot, you can run into the same people. And, Do you figure this for adults or kids? Well, kids seven and under are free. Uh, so it's geared towards adults it's geared towards uh, people who just want to enjoy themselves but there's certainly plenty for kids to do here and i think one of the things we try and do is make it enjoyable for kids because the longer the kids are willing to stay the longer their parents are willing to sure. stay but if the kids aren't happy and want to get out of here then we lose the adults so and the, we've been here long enough the kids are our future customers because we're getting lots of people who were kids here. And oh, I'm sure with the amount of years that you've been here that you're finding generations among generations among generations that have that have grown up here. But do you have any idea how many visitors? You, I mean, I guess your ticket sales you do. I mean, how many tickets, how many people visit Revel Grove in a, in a year? So we're consistently about 320,000 over 19 days. Jeez. That's crazy. And, and I would say it's fairly recent that you approach those sellout days i mean that's been like the last six or seven years october because the coolness and beautiful sunshine usually and, and whatnot uh, has been traditionally periods when we've sold out over the years uh what we do now is our all of our tickets are online only and uh and we have a cap on the number of tickets we'll sell. What that does is reduce traffic in the area and through traffic here. Probably makes the neighbors happy. Yes, we don't leave anybody sitting out on the road who doesn't have a ticket, and anybody coming here is supposed to have a ticket. So, but what that did then by putting a cap on it and doing it only online is then people knew, all right, well, that date's gone, so I'll come an earlier date. Or, and so we got more sold out dates last year than we'd had before. That's nice. I mean, it's, I, I imagine it's got to be disappointing coming down from Baltimore County and heading down and seeing the message board on 97 saying, so, you know, sold out, sold out, sold out, turn around. Um, so you aren't selling any tickets at the booth? Nope. We, um, we, uh, we were already, uh, in 2019, 84% uh, of our tickets were sold online without trying to 
push them all online. And then of course we were closed for the pandemic in 2020. And when we came back last year, we just did it online only so that we could limit the number of people and again, address traffic. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, what is what is our theme this year? What is our storyline? So it's 1536, and uh, um, I, like I told you at the beginning, I'm not exactly sure of everything well, until all, I watch the show, too. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm doing construction, I'm doing PR, I'm doing uh, taxes, accounting. Uh, all the boring stuff. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but when I get out there, I enjoy it, too. Uh, that's, that's one of the great things I get to do is run around and go to the crafts shops and see the shows. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's still Henry VIII, uh, feasting, frolicking, uh, he Rolling might, he might come here with a queen, but he's got somebody on the side and <laughs> it's always, it uh, happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have different challenges when you're royalty. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the man who plays Henry VIII, I mean, he has, he been around for a long time. Is that a... Uh, Fred started in uh, 2002, and so uh, this is his 20th year and season, again, because we were closed in 2020. Uh, so uh, Fred is terrific. He's, there are different, we had a guy, Bill Huddle, before Fred for a number of years, and Bill was six foot nine and 380 pounds. Oh, my just, word. You know, he was a bigger than life character. Uh, Fred is like having... Robert Goulet is your <laughs> who I always say because he's he's photogenic. He's got the the presence down. He's got charisma. He can really uh, interact with the crowd. One you know one of the great things I see and you asked about kids earlier is I don't look at things always through the character. I look at what the people's impression is, and there are little girls as princesses and whatnot just. This is the highlight of their life thus far. <laughs> they, they've met the king. They are absolutely, and they're on their best behavior. They come and they curtsy. Boys bow. They get knighted at a ceremony, um, or or made a lady, and um, it's it's a huge impression for them. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's the fiscal impact, you guys? Do you have any idea on the county as far as? So for special events uh, like this, the uh, Department of Labor, it's uh, something like for every dollar spent here, there's $2.73 spent in the local community. That, that's the fiscal impact okay. of labor and, and right. materials, buying materials, the food we bring in and whatnot, and then people traveling here buying gasoline, staying in hotels and right. whatnot. So, right. so uh, you know, we are looking uh, at a pretty high number for that kind of impact here, even though it's generally day trips. Yeah, no, I would imagine. Is that where most of your folks come? I mean, where does your sweet spot? Uh, 62% like are the Washington metropolitan area. But only 2% come out of Washington, D.C. It's, it's Howard County, Montgomery County, and then Northern Virginia. And 17% come out of the Baltimore area, and then it's Anne Arundel County and South. And then we do draw a lot from Delaware, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, uh, again, because... Um, it's a region and there's a pretty good traffic network here so people can uh, yeah no it's fairly convenient it's it's definitely it's funny i was coming out here this morning and it's like wow this is the first time i haven't really like hung up in the traffic on the a little bit on crownsville road and also in the driveway and i'm like come to think of it, i've never been here at nine o'clock in the morning so <laughs> it's uh but 
you know, question for you. I mean, you've been involved in Renaissance festivals for quite a quite a while here. What's um What's the second best Renaissance festival in the country? <laughs> the second best. <laughs> you know, um, part of the problem I have is that because I can't travel during the time of our festivals, so I don't see some of the big ones. And the fall traditionally, to me, is the best time for a festival. The original concept was a harvest autumn festival, and so things were the village was celebrating how prosperous it had been, the crops were coming in, the ale was made, everything was good to go. Um, so to me though, that's the best time and I'm only here for that. My, my uh, fondness was I got my start in Minnesota and I, that was the kind of model that a lot of fairs have adopted. Uh, but uh, I really do enjoy uh, Scarborough Fair in Dallas, uh, Texas Renaissance Festival, Sterling in New York. I've been to um, Lancaster uh, several times. It's just not real convenient for me to get there because they operate generally at the same time. They start a little right. earlier, but uh, I'm busy then usually. And, uh, and uh, that's a little different concept that they have of a Renaissance fair, and they're, they're at a permanent winery. Uh, but I enjoy that uh, immensely. Um, and then uh, even some of the smaller fairs that because they harken back to our early days when I saw so much potential and it's, it really is a little more rustic, which I absolutely enjoy. So the Virginia Fair, which is smaller, some of the Florida shows, which are early in the year, and I have to give a shout out to the Arizona Renaissance Festival. If you can build a Renaissance Festival in a desert and be <laughs> successful at it, uh, that's terrific. <laughs> As a, I bet you, I bet you, Halloween at your house is uh, well. You're in the middle of the Renaissance. <laughs> I was going to say with the costumes and stuff like that, it would be, be awesome. Well, I guess you're just wrapped them up, but it's uh, so everybody in my family works here. Nieces, nephews, <laughs> um, my kids, my wife, uh, sister-in-law. Um, I use your, and, use your dad's model. Come on down, I got a job for you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but um, we, we dress otherwise. Right, right. <laughs> and funny, the Smith clan is the minions for, you know, for Halloween or something like that. But what's your personal favorite, I guess, aspect of the Renaissance Festival here at Revel Grove? What are you most proud of? I mean, is it, uh, you know, the entertainment? Is it the the jousting, which is all sort of, in the, but I mean, the, the jousting, is it the music? Is it the acting, the... Uh, yeah. So that's a huge question because there's so many different aspects and I do think a Renaissance Festival con consists of three principal things, the entertainment, the food, and the crafts. And crafts are one of the biggest gate attractions in the Mid-Atlantic area that people go to, even more so than the most sporting events. So um, we've tried very hard to get really good crafts uh, in here. but. Um, like we talked about earlier, the high touch aspect of it. One of the things that attracted me immediately the first day of the first year of the Minnesota Renaissance Fair was I walked in and there was straw on the ground. And it, you could do a little differently than you did in regular society. You could be a little freer, a little more <laughs> carefree. Um, we, people come out here and they take on different personas. They might be accountants or they might be working for the federal government, but they're wenches or ladies or knights or rogues or pirates when they come here. And so it's a huge scope and it, it, in, it invites people to become something maybe a little better 
person than they normally are or the person they'd like to be. You know, that's so funny you say that. And because I, I used to, I came from outside of Philadelphia and they had the Philadelphia Folk Festival. And um, I was with a volunteer fire company that used to do a pancake breakfast on the mornings and we used to tractors with trailers to pull all the people out of there and bring them back. And it was funny, you know, you see these, you know, stereotypical, you know, the hippies with the tie-dye shirts and the, the long hair smelling to the, you know, nth degree and they're, you know, stoned and drunk and everything else on the, on the wagon. And you're talking to them. It's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like the DA in Philly. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, it's like, as, as you say, I mean, it's it's a way to obviously here you're putting yourself into a different time period, but forget about all the crap that is on in our day to day lives. And if it may be for eight hours, it may be for you know sixteen hours if it's a weekend, or some of these hardcore people that are going you know multiple weekends over a season. It's, it's, it's got to be really therapeutic for everybody. Well, and they have so many friends, and they, they, this might be the only place they see these friends, but it's like a continuing, revolving party that they uh, show up to, and there's people they're familiar with. So uh, we were just doing that this morning, setting limits on the number of uh, multi-day passes, and so we're going to be selling between two up to 19-day different passes uh, for people, uh, somewhere around nine, ten thousand of those for people who can just come all the time and uh, uh, see their friends and whatnot. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's, it's amazing. It's it's got to be. We have people who come over just for dinner. <laughs> They've got a nineteen-day pass. They come by at three o'clock. They just get to a get a, just to get a turkey and leg and eat something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know. There, there's no traffic because everybody's either in or families are starting to leave late afternoon and get so that, get that coveted goods parking spot <laughs> yes don't need to give it to the sheriffs <laughs> that are out there how do you how do you handle security here i mean I, it's i do notice when i walk out that you've got that whole line of you know reserved for police and sheriff and stuff like that i mean do you i mean do you guys handle your own security internal and i i will say that over the years that i've been here again since 96 97 I, and, and I'm sure you've got people that, that drop from heat exhaustion and stuff like that, which is probably pretty standard. But I have never heard of any kind of a, an incident here, which speaks to the management and, and the safety and everything else. So, And that was one of the things I was going to mention when you asked about what is the appeal of the festival. Is that, you know, wouldn't it be terrific if you could walk along the Mall of Washington, see the tourist attractions and Smithsonian's and stuff and carry a beer with you or, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, have out-of-town guests and, and feel secure. And that's one of the things we really want to do here is have people feel that shouldn't be a concern of theirs, security. Uh, it should be something that falls by the wayside and they're enjoying the people they're around. You know, it's if they're sitting at the joust or in one of our magic shows or puke and snot, the, the 47 year long um, uh, Renaissance Fair act, um, it's far easier to get 200 people laughing at something than it is four people laughing at something, you know, and it's a shared enjoyment. So with security, uh, we have multi-levels. We have our own private people who are really gate monitors, getting people in and out, helping them with passes and things, watching our road traffics. Uh, and then we have um, police inside the festival and then police out on the road. Uh, different organizations, everybody's involved from state troopers down to uh, Sheriff's Department and County Police and, um, and Natural Resources Police. 
And so we have a lot of levels here, uh, and I hesitate to go into too For much sure, about sure. it. But uh, one of the things is, and, and a lot of plain clothes people, but I think I have more. Plain clothes or custom clothes? No, 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 plain, plain. <laughs> it's supposed to look like you and me just walking around because I don't wear a costume anymore. If there's, if I have to handle a complaint, people don't want to talk to the court jester. You know? <laughs> we try and be uh, as responsive as we can and uh, make sure everybody's having a good, safe time. That's great. That's, I mean, and it is one of the things that, I mean, I have never had a problem when my kids were younger uh, with some friends be like okay I'm going to go to the beer stand and you know sit down and watch a show you know Shakespeare or something that you guys will probably just loathe <laughs> and just go around we're going to meet by the glass blower we're going to meet by whatever it would be and, and I would I never had any any qualms about that so I think that's a big thing too is you can come with <clears throat> a group of people and you can each have a different time you know one of them can go see um, the sword fighters, see a joust, uh, see a magic show or something, go to the tavern, sing along with people, and somebody else can go to the living history area, <laughs> tour the craft shops, sit in on some of the musical groups, and they both come away, I had the most peaceful day, and the other guy's going, I had the most fun I've yeah, had, yeah. you know, and, and you were still at the same event. Yeah, and you try to explain that to people. How how did that happen? That's right. what's your what's your favorite memory from all of your years here? You know, I, uh, to continue this, uh, I stand at the gate and watch people leave. And if mom and dad are holding their hands and his shirt's untucked and they're tired and the kids are waving a wooden sword and wearing a princess hat, I mean that's why we're doing it. You know, it's to um, have that. But really. It is, for us, the people who work here and uh, a lot of the regular customers, it's a community. You see the same people, you become invested in those people, they become invested in you. I've worked with these people for 40 some years now. And uh, it's, these are lifelong friendships. You know, when you, when you start out, you're like, would I really want to be friends with that person for the rest of my life? And as I get nearer that, as I get later in life, it's like these have been really warm, rewarding friendships uh, with the people that we're involved with out here. That's true. A couple of years ago, I spoke with one of your vendors, and I, I don't remember her name. Blonde lady, she's mostly purple booth that sells beaded jewelry, and she does her things. And her husband, uh, her partner, is a has a, uh, a painting booth there as well. And I didn't realize that they... Travel, so Patty and Steve. Yes. Okay. They travel festival to festival, and they may be in another one when this one ends and stuff like that. But she was singing your praises, saying that this is this is the the favorite one. And and actually, I got to know her because my girlfriend every year has to get something out of the you know, and she's always like, oh, we can make something for you. If you want to come back? We can you know, and just just wonderful, wonderful people that uh, you know. I've never met never met anybody miserable here. Well, good. <laughs> and hopefully the customers are either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are some people, but again, it's funny to you say that your favorite memory is to you know watch the the sweaty old families going out just absolutely exhausted after the day. And I mean, that just just done our job. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we were missing also talking about you know what a great loss uh, a couple of years ago with Johnny Fox. Johnny yeah. was my best friend. I wasn't his best friend because Johnny had so many friends. But in my life, Johnny was a singular, unique individual. 
I will tell you, he never forgot a birthday, a holiday, an anniversary. He called, I knew, 5.30 uh, Christmas morning, the phone call was from him. And he was just calling everybody he knew. And um, uh, that's still a hard loss for us to take. Johnny worked here 37 years. He, he helped us open a show in Canada. Um, he, he tutored so many people here. He was very giving of his talent, but also the experiences of working with an audience. Johnny could have performed anywhere, and he chose to be out in the woods with people that he could have an immediate reaction, see their faces rather than in a nightclub with a Klieg like glaring him in the eyes. Yeah, yeah, I've talked to so many performers that come in like through Ramshead and whatnot, and they do like the smallness of the room, right? Um, because I can I can look in an eye. They, they said they said COVID stunk because then you know the mask covers <laughs> half of the eyes, but it was uh, you know to be able to see the faces beaming, and whether that be a comedian or a, a singer or a band, and to be able to interact with them because you feed off of that. And I mean, uh, Johnny was an expert at that. I mean, he would be able to. S you know, sit there and see the excitement and, and it just built and you could see that through the whole the I whole mean, performance. He was on, you know, Letterman, Leno, <laughs> uh, uh, The View, uh, Dolly Parton's special, Jonathan Winter's special. Uh, some of these are only people we'll know, so right, you're listening. Right, 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 right. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, Johnny, and he, he did a lot of performances in, in South America and Europe on television, but he was always concerned that if he was on television too much here, people have seen his act, and then they aren't going to be as interested in sitting in his audience. But I kept telling him that wasn't true. And, uh, uh, but Johnny had such a wide-ranging uh, interest uh, in so many different things. He traveled to India quite a bit, and uh, he really had a fascination on the um, that kind of magic and uh, spirituality. So uh, Johnny was a great friend, and I'm sorry he's one gone. of a kind. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, is there anything else that we need to know about the Renaissance Festival here in Crownsville for 2022 that we didn't? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm trying to remember what we didn't discuss, and I'm sure there's plenty of things. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, going to be, I think, a, a, another terrific year. It's I know the economy is difficult for some people. I know that um, travel is still a challenge for people. And actually that tends to be a pretty good formula for us because people still want to do something. So they can't go cross country to go to Disney World or something or they're less. Uh, Disney uh, got nothing on you, so don't worry about that. <laughs> but, you <know. laughs> and uh, you know, it's hard to go to Europe uh, and the tests you have to take and whatnot. Uh, but. Um, we're uh, we're here. We're available, and we're we're glad to have you. Well, anyway, you look at it on uh, you know August first when tickets do go on sale. You want to go to rentpest.com. I mean, it is a bargain, you know, to get in to spend an entire day of this. And uh, I mean, you know, again, many festivals, you know, you pay this entrance fee to get in, and that's what you're paying to get in. And there's not much else there. And you're paying for the food, and you're paying for this, and paying. But I mean, you're really when you walk through the gates here at Rebel Grove. Um, it's like diving in the deep end of the swimming pool. I mean, you're, 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 you're <laughs> in go. it. You have been <laughs> transported from a grass parking lot on Crownsville Road uh, back to the, fifth, or the 16th century. You know, one of the things I'm sure you, you park out there and there's all those cars out there, acres and acres and acres of cars. And we get, I get so many people who walk in the front gate and we've given them a program and they open it up and they go, 
I didn't know it was this big. I don't know where they thought all those people with those cars were. Because <laughs> <laughs> and they, they haven't seen anything yet. Well, I know. It's funny. I, 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 all the years that I've been coming, it's funny. I, I, you know, I do the loops and the sort of the figure eights. And then I question myself, like, but I didn't see this store. I didn't see that store. I'm like, oh, you know, we missed that little alleyway or we missed this. And, you know, we're always going back and overlapping to make sure that we do catch everything. Uh, I know uh, Mom Crusoe's is a favorite, if I pronounce that right, the magic shop. Madam, yes. Madam, Madam, Madam uh. Crusoe, Mom, Mom Crusoe, <laughs> Madam Crusoe. Uh, yeah, Mike Rose, and uh, uh, who's a magician in the area here, and uh, I'm not sure exactly either because I've pronounced it differently too. <laughs> but the magic shop on the board, right, 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 back down on the backside and go down the wooden slide. You take a right; it's up there, up the steps, and it's, <laughs> it's not far from the uh, the crystal. Um, there's a there's a crystal shop. Yes, back there, there is. Uh, Richard Bailey's crystals, uh, and that's fun. You crack your own. Right, it, right. It comes in as a geode, a rock, and, and you can crack it yourself. Right. Well, I'll tell you, I am looking forward. Um, can you give us a spoiler to Zambaland Loserhead this year? <laughs> uh, no, no, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Jewel Smith, thank you so much for your time this morning. Get your tickets August 1st, MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. If you don't feel like spelling that out, RenFest.com, which is an outstanding domain name. It's easy to remember, but it has two N's in it. Easily Googleable enough with uh, Maryland Renaissance Festival. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for 46 years, uh, although I haven't partaken in 46 years of uh, just memories that you've really created for everybody that's gone through the gates of uh, Revel Grove. And it's, um, you know, we're ready for 46 more i guess look forward to it thanks for being a guest thanks for listening to this week's local business spotlight please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news events and opinion and in case you haven't already please subscribe to the ion annapolis daily news brief where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone tablet or computer in about 10 minutes it comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.